Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. So the river. Where did the river begin? You might be thinking, is this something Sean just scribbled on a bit of paper last week? I want to give you a little bit of a picture of the history of this river idea. And, you know, in many ways it began 54 years ago when Clovercrest Baptist Church was formed. And in the very womb, cross-cultural missions was something that has been a part of Clovey. You know, I spoke to a couple just the other week who joined the church in 1970, before I was born, well before I was born. And uh, they said that one of the first things that they remember being key to Clovey was that the church had a vision for missions. And, you know, I began uh, pretty much, I was almost born at this church. And I began and I was part of the church. Here we are, here's a photo of me at Boys Brigade um, as we were growing up with some of my mates. There I am right in the middle. Got a good tie happening there. And, you know, one of the things that I remember is that there was a godly, godly lady called Janet Harding. And Janet was that person. She was that one who couldn't stop talking about missions. And I've got this vivid memory of a can drive where we all brought our cans along. And I didn't even really know what missions was, but I knew that it was something important. We put them all in there and we sent them to these people across the world. And she was the one who would bring the prayer points. We had missionaries coming and speaking in our church. And um, then fast forward 20-something years and then this couple were commissioned at Clovercrest Baptist Church right here on this stage when we used to have the light behind the baptismal when Jan and I were sent uh, from Clovercrest. And it's still one of the most amazing times as I think here is a church that is in my heart and soul that sent us. And then others were sent like the Hayes and James and Ashley amongst others, who are people that are still out there serving today. Clovey has a rich history of sending. And I want to recognise today that actually the river is standing on the shoulders of the people before us. I can see people in this room who've been here for many years whose shoulders we're standing on today. Well, fast forward to October last year and up in that room there, up in West Lounge, a group of us met because we said, what does the future of missions look like at Clovey? And there were some really challenging questions that we had to face, especially based on some research that had been happening by the Barna Group in the US, largest market research group in the world. And they asked some hard questions. We're going to ask each other those a little bit later on. But we asked ourselves, what does the future of missions, cross-cultural missions, look like at Clovey? Well, the result of that day that stood on what had happened before was the beginning of the river. And we scribbled it out. The missions team scribbled out. And we're going to see it up on the screen there. There's the first version of the river on the left-hand side with my little scrawlings. You wouldn't have a hope of reading it because I have shocking writing. And um, 
Then we took it to leadership and we said, what do you think of this? They said, oh, look, we love this, but let's think about this, let's think about that. We came back and then I used a little tool called Microsoft Publisher. That's the Sean version of the river next to it there. And I thought it looked good until we took it to a graphic designer who said, let me show you good, Sean. And here we have what we have today. And a shout out to Les, who actually was one of my mentors growing up. And this is what I think is awesome about hanging around a place like Clovey for long enough, is that actually the people who've blessed you, you can go and bless, and they will bless you back again. And you know, there's all sorts of reasons. We might move around churches, uh, but I want to encourage you that if today you're thinking, well, is this somewhere I want to stay? You know what, Clovey has got a great history of sending and of encouraging and empowering. And I feel like, you know, I didn't write this on this bit of paper here, but I feel like God's saying to you, stick around. But also he's saying, hey, find some people to be a part of your life, like Les was in mine. You know, we used to sit before church services and we'd eat garlic bread and then we'd go to church and we'd stink of garlic. I don't know why that's got anything to do with anything. But, you know, there was a group of us. Some of those have actually walked away from faith and I think that's really sad. Others have gone on to do incredible things in life and some are still here today. And who would have believed that 40 years later, 30 years later, Les would be bringing back into life some things that we hadn't even thought of and he brought together these experiencing God creating community, reaching beyond posters that we see. So who are you letting life live with you and who are you giving life back into? Because, you know, none of us would have said that we were going to go on and do what we did. So I wonder 40, 50 years later what that might look like. And so we had this river And I had this vision, this idea in my mind of a diorama and people said it wasn't possible. And I went to uh, my good mate Dave Vander Linden and Ashton Chambers. And again, they're in our life group. So we were already doing life together. So they knew when I asked them something ridiculous that it wasn't coming out of just this random spot. And again, if you're not part of a life group, hey, here's a great opportunity to actually be doing life And maybe doing even more than just meeting in a little house together. And so I said, could you make this diorama? He said, oh, I could do that. And Ashton, could you make a base for it? Yeah, I could do that, he says. And there we've got it out in the foyer there. And it's it's incredible. I want to shout out to them. And then I bought some little people on eBay. Now, here's a little secret. I might not have read the ad all that well. So when it said models, I'm thinking, you know, models... And the ad, I looked back when I got them, and it did say, not models, but models. Um, Get them in the post, and I'm like, well, this is a problem. So then I ask another couple from the church, hey, look, can you help make my little people a little bit bigger? And they did, and they're what you've got today. And in that process, I'd said to Luke, hey, Luke, could you write us a song? He says, sure, we could write you a song. And, uh, you know, that leads me to a question that I wonder Who made the river? It wasn't Janet Harding, but without Janet Harding, we might not be where we're at today in missions. 
It wasn't the church leadership, but without their input, the river wouldn't look like what it does today. It wasn't me, but without me, we might not have been able to bring it into what it is here today. It wasn't David, Ashton or Luke, but without them, those of us with a creative bent might struggle to even work out what this is all about. And you know, this is, I think, a question. Who made what I am today that we could ask? Who made me what I am today? Who made my Christian faith what it is today? And if you don't have a Christian faith, I want to ask you, hey, you're probably here because somebody's invited you along or something's poking and prodding within you. So even ask yourself, well, where did that come from? For those of us with a faith, who made me what I am today? Who built into you? Who are the lezers of your life? Who are the, the Mark Wilkinsons of your life that built into my life? Maybe you want to stop and write them a note of thanks today. But also to imagine, well, who am I putting into? Who might be making the river version 25 in 40 years' time after I am somewhere else? Really, nobody completely built who we are, but everybody has had some part to play. Well, today we're going to look at the life of a man called Timothy in the Bible from the viewpoint of a letter that was written to him by Paul, one of the early church leaders. And we're going to skim through his life. So Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy, and we're going to begin looking at Timothy's faith in chapter 1, verse 5. So Paul wrote, I remember the sincere faith you have, the kind of faith that your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, also had, and I'm sure you have it also. And, you know, I'm thankful for me that my parents modelled that faith. In fact, it was them in 1970 who joined this church and gave me that quote. Um, but for many people, that's not true. But for each of us, there is somebody who has built into our life, who's said things into us. And, you know, I've got this distant relative that we only recently discovered. His name is Billy Bray. And he's got this great haircut that looks a bit like my bald spot, but even more developed. And um, you know what? He was a fiery preacher in England in the 1800s and he was described as, get this, how different to me could this be, exuberant and unconventional. Now, I didn't even know about him, but I wonder what the impact has been on us from people even that we don't know about. I bet you that Billy Bray prayed that there would be people in the generations after him who would bring faith to people because that was his heart. We can't underestimate the impact that our faith has on others. If you were praying for someone today during the earlier time, your prayer was because your, own, your faith has already had an impact on them. There's no doubt about it. You wouldn't be praying for them if your faith didn't already have an impact on them and the impact that others' faith has had on us. Well, Paul stresses the importance of this later on in 2 Timothy, in chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. It says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in the truths you were taught and firmly believe. You know who your teachers were, and you remember that ever since you were a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation 
through Christ Jesus. Now, last year when, when we met up there in West Wing, West Lounge, one of the areas we had to chew on was this realising that this process of becoming a missionary is actually a bit vague. It's not like um, becoming a doctor where you do a certain number of things and then tick boxes or if you want to become a gardener, you do these certain things or most planned vocations. And so we had to think that through and we thought through some really challenging quotes that I want to ask you to ask yourself today. So the first one of this is this. 95% of parents, and I want you to insert there friends of people, people who you've got influence on, not just parents, but 95% of parents would be able to trust God if their child chose missions as a career. And again, I want to recognise my parents who actually when we came to them and Jan's parents said, well, you know, that's something we hadn't... We don't know, but we really do trust God with you. And so I trust that this would be true for today too, that 95% of us, if a friend, a child, someone else came along and said, look, I want to choose missions as a career, that we'd say, yeah, I can trust God for that. Great. What about this next quote? 47% of parents have not talked with their child about their child's missions interest. Now, this one's interesting because I wonder if it might challenge you as you think, have I done that? And, and I just want to suggest, it's not true for everyone, but I want to suggest that sometimes that's because inside, even though we're willing to trust God for our child or our friend to become a missionary, we sort of hope that they might not. Because you know what? That's a bit scary. They might take our grandchildren away overseas. We took my parents, our parents, grandchildren overseas. They didn't see them for a few years. They might have to go and live somewhere that's not very nice. They might live somewhere nice. They might not see the important events in our life. They might not be there for my 50th birthday, 60th birthday, 70th, 80th. So we're willing to trust sometimes that God can do it, but we're a little bit afraid to maybe suggest it just in case he does. You know, just this morning over in Kids Church, they're talking about this. Our small acts of serving can be used by God to do great things. And so we're beginning this discussion for you today. So if your child has been along to Kids Church this morning, might be the chance to ask them that and even say, well, uh, did you ever, you know, might that be overseas? It doesn't ever start too early. Or at youth, after youth camp, next weekend. What's God going to challenge them about? Are you going to be willing to talk and say, well, might that be missions? Because I could see that in you. This is really important because here's the last quote that says this. Christian parents, and remember, this is based on research done. Christian parents don't look very different from their non-Christian counterparts when it comes to hopes for their children's future. You know, last week, Simon challenged us to sit with God and to ask him what he wanted to say. And I wonder if it is that he might be saying to you, hey, where's your heart for your child? Or where's your heart for your friend that you see could do this? Are you willing to release them into what God wants you to do? You know, there's two billion people in the world who don't even know the name Jesus. 
And that takes sacrifice. I'll be honest, it takes sacrifice. But I wonder if we're willing to release our friends, our family, release our best leaders from the church to go out. Now, Lois and Eunice, Timothy's mother and grandmother, they had a sincere faith. They taught him. They showed him the importance of the scriptures. And so I don't think it's any surprise that he ended up in Christian ministry because he had these people behind him who were doing that. If you're a parent, a step-parent, a grandma, an auntie, an uncle, an adult to someone in your life who looks up to you, let that sink in. If you have a dream for that person, what difference could it make as you speak to them about it? And today, our focus is to know. And I think that knowing isn't something that we actually learn in a book, often. Knowing is something that we see and experience and hear from the important people in our lives. And that is you. And maybe that is your place in the river. Maybe that's your place in the river to speak into someone else's life. Because I don't know if I would have ended up on full-time missions unless people had spoken into my life. In fact, I'm sure I wouldn't have. I was pretty sure that I was going to be a pastor. That was my heart. Or a TV cameraman. Pretty similar, really. Um, toss up between the two. True story. <laughs> and um, had people not come and said, you know what, Sean, you could be a missionary. But look, I know the reality is that sometimes our kids don't listen to us. Not my kids, but other people's kids we're talking about here. Um, anybody? No, don't put your hand up. <laughs> and I'm thinking about little Johnny, all right? Now, little Johnny, he needed some guidance in life from his parents because he was just not really thinking much about life. He wasn't really taking it very seriously. So they got little Johnny together, his mum and dad, and said, look... Think about the missionaries and the, and the people in your life before. They've really worked hard. You need to sort of start taking this a bit seriously. And Johnny looked at them and he said, mm, yes, mum and dad, you're going to see a change from tomorrow. And they're like, he's thinking really seriously about this little Johnny. And so uh, the next morning they wake up, they go to get Johnny out of bed. He's already out of bed. In fact, he's already made his bed. They're like, wow, he really has brought a change in his life. They go downstairs to get breakfast. He's already made breakfast. He's, um, he's cleaned up after himself. He even left a bit of breakfast for them. He's like, what? They're like, Johnny's dead. But where is Johnny? They're looking around. They're like, kind of. So, oh, they look out the window. There's Johnny. He's in the middle of the garden patch, just standing there perfectly still. They walk out to the garden. What's going on, Johnny? He said, Mum and Dad, I just wanted to be outstanding in my field. <laughs> mm. Yes, outstanding in my field. See what I did there? So sometimes communication can... I, I know that. You know, I'm not asking you to be perfect. Maybe you're like me, who is probably a bit like Johnny. But... Um, Let's read about Timothy some more. Paul says to Timothy, Hold firmly to the true words that I taught you as the example for you to follow and remain in the faith and the love that are ours in union with Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Keep the good things that have been entrusted to you. And you know, Timothy had faith instilled by his mother and grandmother, but there was more to it than that. 
The more is what the Holy Spirit did in his life and what Paul did in his life. He, he, Paul became the, the, the one who gave the true words. Paul became the one who prayed for him, stood by him. And again, who are you praying for? Who are you standing by? And the Holy Spirit was the one who brought it all to fruition. The Holy Spirit who lived inside of him. As we use in the river, Paul was like a mentor to Timothy. Paul had walked the journey. Paul had been there and he was just a step ahead. And you know, this this phrase that we read about in, in 2 Timothy is actually an active phrase. It's one where deliberately Paul taught and deliberately Timothy held firmly. So both of them had something that wasn't passive and it needed something from both of them. So we're talking about mentoring and I just thought it would be good because it can mean a thousand things to a thousand people to give you a bit of a definition. So here's two of them. The first one's this. Mentoring is a dynamic, intentional relationship of trust in which one person enables another to live life well. I'm not sure who that quote's from, but I know this second one who's a friend of mine, Sandra Hart. To mentor is to accompany and encourage others to grow in their God-given potential. It's what we said in the river. It's finding a chance to learn together, not just by ourselves, but to learn together. A mentor is someone who will ask you good questions from Clovey. A step ahead in the journey and together you'll explore your journey. And you know, Timothy needed someone to mentor him. And Paul had this experience where he'd already gone on. And so he passed these on to Timothy. But it wasn't just a human exercise where Paul sort of downloaded his brain and just handed it to Timothy. It was one where the Holy Spirit was active. God who lives within us that empowered Timothy to keep the faith. And so I wonder if this is where you're at in the river. Are you at a spot where you think, actually, you know what? I, I would like someone to help me to grow in my God-given potential, especially around the missions outreach arena. Is it that living life well needs someone who can intentionally relate to me? And we've got, from a couple of weekends ago, people who have walked the walk of cross-cultural overseas mission ready to mentor. We sat together and we're ready. Now, before you get too worried, it doesn't mean that we're going to sign you up to be a missionary overseas tomorrow. Because actually, this is a journey. A river is... a We definitively chose a river because, you know what, sometimes you don't know where the river's going to go. It goes here, it goes back, and it's got streams. And you could end up in any one of those. But what we want to help you to do is to work out, well, how do I even know? Maybe you're even asking the question... How do I even know if I should be a missionary? That's a really good question. I'm not going to give you an answer because you should find a mentor. And they won't tell you either, just as a heads up. But they'll ask you some good questions along the way. So as you walk out the door, we've got the diorama, we've got the little person, and it's a chance to grab your little person, pop it on there and say, hey, I'd like to know some more about mentoring. Or maybe it is you think, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to talk yet. Hey, drop me an email, missions at clovercrest.com.au. 
Again, I'm not going to sign you up to a mission agency, but what I want to help you to do is to find your place in mission. Well, there's one part that quickly of, of the journey of Timothy that I want us to look at, and it's one of my favourite verses because it's nice and easy to remember where it comes from. It comes from 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. All the twos go together there like a train. 2, two. two Timothy 2.2. 2. But also, it does come from a mentor of mine, Mark Wilkinson, who would continually say this, Sean, are you taking the teachings that you heard me proclaim in the presence of many witnesses, are you entrusting them to reliable people who will be able to teach others? Because here's something else about knowing. It's not something that just sits in your heart or your head. It's something that is alive and it reproduces itself. Again, the person that you're sitting and thinking that you prayed for before, that's God saying to you, hey, I want you to reproduce your faith into that person. These things you know, they don't know it. I remember one particular evangelist who didn't grow up in a Christian family and he'd say, you know what, on Sunday mornings we never thought, oh, we won't go to church this morning because it didn't even enter his mind to go to church. These are people who don't know what you know. But you know what? You know. So it doesn't stop in our heads, it reproduces itself. Somewhat like, and I don't know if any of you remember this, in my youth which, as I say, was really not that long ago. Herman the German cake. I've got a photo of Herman the German cake up here. So Herman the German cake was this big phase, this big trend that we had, where you got all sorts of yeasty things and you put them all together and then you had to feed them over the space of a week. It's a cake. And then as you fed it, you'd divide it up into four and you'd give three bits of this cake to other three besties who would then... They would grow it and whatever, and you'd make a cake out of your quarter, and they would grow it, and then they would give it to three who would give it to three. Well, I remember someone gave me one, and I didn't feed it, and it died. Well, that was a great story. But you know what? There's the great, Tim, the great challenge for us, and it would have even been for Timothy and Paul, to get all this knowledge, not feed it, not use it, and it dies. And that'd be really sad. And I'm still challenged by this today. You know, I go overseas and I shared and I took a bit of myself over there. I could sit back and say, I've done that. No, not at all. So people took the story of Jesus. They shared it with others. They grew it, Timothy, Paul, they kept growing it. And 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, a man by the name of Doug Lawrence comes to the suburb or the area of Clovercrest with this that he'd been given. What he did led to others taking it and giving it and growing it. And I wonder if you've ever sat and thought, what difference have we made, not just locally, but in the world across these 50 years? And I tried to sit and think about it and I've missed some. So I'm sorry if you're in this room and I've missed you. But you know what? Here are some of the places that just a little group of people in just one little area of Australia have changed people's lives. 
PNG, Zimbabwe, all across India, Thailand, China, Indonesia, France, the Philippines, Myanmar, Nepal, Germany, China, Kenya, Switzerland, Russia, Belgium, Mongolia, Sri Lanka, North Africa, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Jordan. Add in there all the areas of OM that the Hayes uh, that we support are touching. Add in there all the areas that WEC works in that Jan is helping to coordinate through WEC. And the list is still going. Just take that in for a minute. One little church in one little suburb started by one person and the blessings of God and all of those things. And what a difference we've made across the world, you know. But as each of us finds our place in the river, we're all going to put a drop in the river. Might be a little drop. That's okay. You know what? Those people that I got are really little. But when you put them next to 500 other people, wow, it looks great. One little drop of water. So what is your drop? Is it to enter, to sponsor a child? There's still the chance to do that. Is it to sacrificially give to missions? Is it to learn more about your part and then live that out? To know, to be mentored? Is it to experience, to have a relationship with our partners? And then as you experience it, you take that and you use it in who knows what. Is it to go short term when the doors open? Is it to go across the world with the river? And the whole river of Clovey pushing behind you. Every one of these is part of the river. And every one of them is a drop of water. That's a drop of water. And another drop and a splash. And the whole river goes across overseas to touch those two billion people who unfairly have no chance to hear about Jesus. Let's pray. You know, as we pray, I feel like there's two images I've got for you that came to me as we were singing before. And the first one is that of Isaiah. And you know, before Isaiah said, here am I, send me, he said, Lord, I am a man of unclean heart and unclean lips. And maybe it is that you feel, I hear you, Sean, but I'm too unclean. I want to say this to you just like God said to Isaiah. In that vision that Isaiah had, there was a, a, a fiery um, hot that came and touched his lips and made him clean. And today, Jesus can make you clean. Whether you know Jesus and have known him all of your life or whether you've no idea who he even is, whether you're online or in the room, Jesus says to you, I can make you clean. I can take away all that rubbish in your life and make you absolutely clean. And you know what? Then you can respond like Isaiah did just a second later. Here am I, send me, I'm ready. Because that's all it needs is a touch from Jesus. Or maybe it is today that you're like David and facing Goliath. And you know what? There were people yelling at David to tell him to stop that he was being ridiculous. Even his own brothers said to him, you're being stupid, David, stop it. But he said, I know what God has got for me. 
So he picked up a stone and he did what God wanted him to. And you know what? Thousands of years later, the world's changed. 